Amen. Thank you so much, Jared. That means a lot. Well, Family Camp 5, for one last time, let me just say that life is certainly more than a game, but it's not less than a game. So are you ready to play the game? If you are, for one final time, let me invite you to turn with me to the book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 11. We'll start at verse number 7, and then we'll eventually weave our way down to Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 14. Ecclesiastes is by far my most favorite book in the whole of the Bible. As I said earlier in this mini-series, the book of Ecclesiastes, at least in my opinion, comes across like a crusty old man that you can't help but love. I don't know if you have a crusty old man in your life. Maybe you are that crusty old man in your own life. But the book of Ecclesiastes just comes across like a crusty old man that you just can't help but love because he's got so much experience and wisdom. In fact, if I could give to you the big idea of the whole book of Ecclesiastes, this is how I would sum up the big idea of the book of Ecclesiastes. And it would go something like this. Life is short, so enjoy the moments that make you smile. But remember the end. Life is short, so enjoy the moments that make you smile. But remember the end. That would be the big idea of the whole of Ecclesiastes and what we're going to do with our limited time here this evening is we're going to talk about how we keep the end in view. Yes, life is short. Life is hevel, the preacher would say in the book of Ecclesiastes. That preacher being King Solomon himself, he would say that life is hevel, it's vanity, it's a breath, it's a vapor, it's more than all that, it's puzzling. It's an enigma. It's so confusing. Why do bad things happen to good people? And why do good things happen to bad people? Life is short. It's puzzling. It's an enigma. So enjoy the moments that make you smile. What makes you smile? The sunsets that we have here in Iowa? That smile from your children? That song that comes on on the radio, enjoy the moments that make you smile. Eat, drink, and be merry. That is a big, big theme in the book of Ecclesiastes. Life is short, so enjoy the moments that make you smile, but you got to keep the end in sight, the end in view. And we're going to talk about how to do that here from Ecclesiastes chapters 11 and 12. The big idea specifically to this message is to successfully play the game of life, you need to remember the end. The end. And before we dive any further into this message, let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, how grateful and thankful we are for one final round in and around your word. God, I pray that you would be with me as I open the word here in Ecclesiastes chapters 11 and 12. Be with my mind, help me to think right, and help me to speak right. God, your word is true, so help me for one final time to speak like it's true. Oh God, your word is true, help these dear listeners for one final time here at Family Camp 5 2022, help them to listen like it's true. And would you transform us all by your word of truth, for it's in Jesus' good name, amen. 
Well, it's game time here at Isle Regular Baptist Camp. It's game time here at Family Camp 5, and I am your game show host. I hope you're going to humor me for the next few seconds, but I want to play a game with you that I've entitled Food and Fiction. You fill in the blank, and just humor me, please. Peanut butter and? There you go. Batman and? There you go. Milk and? There you go, milk and cookies. Some of you were shy on that. It's milk and cookies. Tom and? There you go. Bacon and? Eggs. There you go. Mario and? There you go. And the seventh and final one for the number seven is a number of perfection or completion. So we have fish and? There you go. Now, why did I do that silly little game with all of you? To waste your time? To bore you? To be a little cheesy and cliche? No, I did it to prove something that I think is very, very important. You know, often when it comes to life, you can't get the full picture unless you have both pairs, both things. One thing by itself often doesn't make sense. You need both in view. What good is one shoe? You need both shoes. What good is one spouse? You need the other spouse, right, men? Let's be honest, guys. Let's be honest. By ourselves, we're not worth very much, right? I mean, by myself, without Heather in the mix, I'm a strange, weird individual, all right? My wife, Heather, the mere fact that I have a ring on my finger, I'm married to this woman, gives to me a lot of credibility, You see some of those idiosyncrasies, you see some of those weird personality quirks, and because I'm married, you don't chalk me up to being a psycho, you go, well, that's just him, and she's going to be helpful, and God's still working on him, (laughs) right? And many of you men are in the same boat. My point is simply this, a lot of things in life don't make sense unless you have both pairs, And such is the case when it comes to life in general. We need to understand some dual realities if we're going to live with the end in mind. So how do we live with the end in mind? Because to successfully play this game of life, we got to keep the end in mind. Well, how do we do that? Well, I think Ecclesiastes chapters 11 and 12 is very helpful in how, how, how practically we keep the end in mind. Number one, if you're taking notes, I would say this, in order to live with the end in mind, we must pair joy with judgment. Joy with judgment, that is present joy with future judgment. Notice Ecclesiastes 11 verses 7 through 10, the preacher The writer of this account, King Solomon himself, says, Light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all, but let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Stop right there. Do you see that pairing? Do you see these dual realities? Let him rejoice in his life, King Solomon says. But remember, the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Verse 9, rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes. But, here's the second piece of the puzzle, but know that for all these things, your rejoicing 
your cheering, your walking in the ways of your heart, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. The Hebrew word is hevel. It means but a breath, a vapor, here and then gone. But more than that, life is not just short. It's so incredibly puzzling. It's so incredibly confusing at times. But notice, in order to live with the end in mind, we must pair joy with judgment. Present joy with future judgment. I feel as if I'm being confusing, so let me cut it to you straight. God wants you to enjoy your life. God wants you to enjoy your life. When you meet preacher types, especially like myself, who are rather intense and in your face about things, you could walk away with the false notion that in order to be a good Christian, you got to be grumpy. You got to be somber. You have to have that Eeyore personality. No, God gave me all those things in megadoses. You are free to be happy to be joyful, to enjoy your life, and so am I. God wants all of us to enjoy our lives, to enjoy those sunsets and smiles and songs. God wants you to enjoy your life. It's a major, major theme in the book of Ecclesiastes. Notice, notice Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 24 and following. Solomon says there's nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting only to give to the one who pleases God. This also is vanity and a striving after wind. Then notice Ecclesiastes 3. Verses 12 and 13, it says this, I perceive that there's nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. Why? This is God's gift to man. Yes, life is short. Life is but a breath here and then gone. More than that, it's puzzling, it's an enigma. Why do the righteous suffer? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do good things happen to bad people? So what's the remedy in part? Enjoy your life. Amidst all the bad, amidst all the puzzling enigmas of life, enjoy your life, knowing that to enjoy your life is God's gift to you. Notice chapter 5, verses 18 and 19. Same concept. Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun the few days of his life that God has given him. For this is his lot, his portion. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil. This is the gift of God. Yes, life is short and puzzling and often frustrating, but enjoy the life you've been given knowing that this is a gift from God. Chapter 8, verse 15. Notice the silver thread of enjoying your life. Solomon says, Ecclesiastes 8, 15, and I commend joy for man has nothing better under the sun but to eat 
and drink and be joyful, for this will go with him in his toil through the days of his life that God has given him under the sun. And then one more time, just to prove the point, notice Ecclesiastes 9, verses 7 through 9. Go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved what you do. Let your garments be always white. Let not oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain or short life that he has given you under the sun, etc. Over and over and over and over again in the scriptures, and particularly in the book of Ecclesiastes, it is clear life is short. So enjoy the moments that make you smile. But you got to keep the end in view. You see, our culture out there has no problem with the first two parts of the big idea of the book of Ecclesiastes, but they have a major problem and pushback on that third component. Out there in the world, you're going to hear people say, yeah, life is short and frustrating. So you got to enjoy the moments that make you smile. Culture out there has no problem with that messaging, but here's where things get difficult for them. Ecclesiastes 11 and 12. Life is short. So enjoy the moments that make you smile, but you gotta keep the end in view. You gotta keep God, eternity, and judgment in view. We pair joy, present joy, with future judgment if we're gonna keep the end in mind. So what I mean when I say that is, yes, God wants you to enjoy your life, and here's the second part, Here's that dual reality that's so important to keep in mind. Yes, God wants you to enjoy your life, but he also wants you to evaluate your life. In all of your rejoicing, in all of your cheering, in all of your good times, are you keeping God in the picture? Are you honoring God with your life? If I can quote another great theologian, not Dwight Schrute, who I mentioned yesterday, but if I can quote... The great theologian Maximus from Gladiator, one of my favorite movies, and I hope you're not appalled and don't write me nasty notes about all that's in that movie. I do not watch it for the violence and all that is in there. It's a great movie in that it has a great message in terms of strength and honor. It was actually my unit's motto when we were in Iraq on our second deployment. But in that movie... The great General Maximus says this before a military campaign. He says, what we do in life echoes in eternity. And I know Maximus is no theologian. I know we need to take all that with a grain of salt. But do you realize that what you do now in this life, it truly matters? It truly matters. Are you pairing present joy in this life with future judgment? Practically speaking, here's how we could phrase the big idea of this message. Live life to the full, one has said, but not as a fool. Live life to the full, to the max, but not as a fool, not as an ignoramus. Secondly, how do we live with the end in view? Well, not only do we pair present joy with future judgment, enjoying our life, but also evaluating our life, we also pair age with beauty. Age with beauty. What do people often say? Age 
before beauty, right? Rather respectful and polite. Nothing wrong with that if you hold the door open and say that little phrase, age before beauty. But biblically speaking, there is something that is more appropriate, more pointed, more specific. It's not age before beauty, but age with beauty. Aging with grace, if you will. Notice what Ecclesiastes 12, verses 1 and following have to say. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth. Before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are dark and the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble. That is, your knees are knocking and not as stable as they once were. And the strong men are bent, just bent over in pain perhaps. And the grinders cease because they are few, talking about the teeth, just not working like they used to. And those who look at the windows are dimmed. Your eyesight is failing. Notice the poetic language here describing old age. And the doors on the street are shut when the sound of the grind is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low. It's just hard to sleep. They are afraid also of what is high and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along and desire fails because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped, before the silver cord is snapped, remember your creator or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the Spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. Life is heaven. It's but a breath. It's a vapor. It's so momentary. It's here and then it's gone. More than that, life is puzzling it's an enigma it's so frustrating and so what does Solomon say here in order to live with the end in mind we must pair yes present joy with future judgment but also we must pair age with beauty how do we do that according to King Solomon here in Ecclesiastes 12 we remember just one word we remember remember what We remember our God, our creator. That's clear there in Ecclesiastes 12, verse 1. We also remember our future in this life. That's clear as you read through the first seven verses of Ecclesiastes chapter 12. What is our future in this life? If we don't die young, we will get old. And for those of us who reach old age, it's often difficult. Can I get a witness? Some of you are just groaning quite literally under the weight of your old age. I'm not calling you old. You're just older. You're experienced. You're a senior saint. We like to juice up old age with all of these terms, but Solomon is crystal clear. If you're going to live with the end in mind, you need to remember your God and you need to remember your future in this life. If you don't die young, and that's a tragedy if that happens, then you're going to get old and things, specifically your body, is not going to work like it used to. So you must remember your God in the days of your youth. You must remember the future of this life that is coming. You must remember your life as a whole. 
Because life is vanity of vanities, verse 8. All is vanity. It's so incredibly short, puzzling, and frustrating. I don't want to belabor this point, but you do realize just how short this thing called life really is. You do realize that life is short. Solomon makes this crystal clear in the book of Ecclesiastes. Pastor James, the half-brother to Jesus, also makes this very clear in James chapter 4. Notice verses 13 and following. Come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? Family Camp 5, what is your life? I'll tell you what it is. It's short. It's incredibly short. So you got to enjoy the moments that make you smile. That's clear in scripture, but you got to keep the end in view. You got to remember that this life is not all there is. There's an eternity that awaits us. And some of us are living this life as if this life is all there is. You know, it's funny sometimes when you meet teenagers in high school. Often, these teenagers, not all teenagers, but they have this myopic view of life as if high school is the end-all, be-all. And they're talking about different events in high school, different activities in high school, and if they can't participate in said event or activity, they act as if their life is over. They're crushed. They're crying. Filled with mourning because they can't participate in this or that high school event or activity. And being a bit older as a parent, sometimes you look at that situation, you certainly empathize, but you also think to yourself, it's just high school. It's just four years of your life and you have the rest of your life in front of you and you think there's ultimate joy and happiness here, but there's the rest of your life. There's your future wedding There's college graduation if that's in your future. There's your job. There's children. There's all of these other things in life. You're acting like high school is it and it's not. There's the rest of your life. We can laugh and shake our heads at high schoolers who act like that, but don't we act like that when it comes to this life as a whole? That these 70, 80, 90, 100 years, 110 years if you take all your vitamins, we act like, you know, this is it. This is it. And so we scratch and we claw and we try to get just a little bit more of the pie. And Solomon is crystal clear in the whole book of Ecclesiastes. You can keep getting slices of the pie and it's never enough. It's never enough. Life still at the very end is like a striving after the wind. I got that degree. And then you open your hand and it's like the wind. And all of a sudden, that AA doesn't look so good, so you go after the BA. You get it, and you open your hand, and it's like catching the wind. No satisfaction there. I got to get my master's now. So you go, and you scratch, and you claw, and you get it, and you open your hand, and it's like catching the wind. And you can name any experience in this life, and that's exactly what it's like. It's like a striving after the wind. You think, this is it. This will bring fulfillment. This will finally be that it factor. And then at the end, you find it's just not enough. Can't just have one Pringle, got to have another one. Can't just have one vacation, got to have another one. Can't just have one degree, got to have another one. For some who go a darker path, 
They start trading in spouses for a new spouse. Or they start doing the church hopping and shopping thing or bouncing from job to job looking for what? Satisfaction, peace, fulfillment, that it factor. And Solomon is so clear in this book. Oh, life is so incredibly short and frustrating and there's not ultimate satisfaction found in this game of life under the sun. Enjoy certain moments, but they're just moments They're just moments. You ever have a moment where you hear a song and it's like, it grips you? And the tears come, it's like, that was so moving. And five minutes later, your kid does something stupid and you're just like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done with you. I'm done with this life. I'm done. Five minutes ago, you were weeping, you know, oh, wow, I'm just so grateful. And the song is so, enjoy that moment. But it's just a moment. The days of darkness are coming in the form of your child being an idiot or whatever. <laughs> but Solomon is so crystal clear. We try so hard to find ultimate satisfaction in this life, but life is short. So yes, enjoy the moments, the temporary moments that make you smile, but keep the end in view. This life is not all there is. There's an eternity that's coming. So remember your God. Remember that this life isn't it. For in the end, vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. How do we keep the end in view? we got to pair present joy with future judgment, enjoying this life, but also evaluating the enjoyments of life. In order to keep the end in view, we also got to pair age with beauty, remembering our God, remembering how short this life is, and remembering the next life that is coming. Thirdly, in order to keep the end in view, we must pair words with wisdom. Words with wisdom. Notice Ecclesiastes 12, 9 through 12. Besides being wise, the preacher, King Solomon, also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. My son, be aware of anything beyond these. Of making many books there is no end. And much study is a weariness of the flesh. Can I get a witness to that statement? In much study is a weariness of the flesh. But notice what King Solomon has to say about these words of delight these words of truth, these words of the wise. And notice, notice what we can compare all of that to in Ecclesiastes 10, verses 12 through 14. There are the words of the wise, but also the words of the fool. Ecclesiastes 10, verses 12 through 14. The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is evil madness. A fool multiplies words, though no man knows what is to be, and who can tell him what will be after him. It's hard to follow sometimes the language of the text here, but what I'm trying to showcase is that words are important. Indeed, I'm not trying to showcase that. King Solomon, to a degree, is trying to showcase that words are important. Words matter. And you can choose, here's something very binary for you, you can choose words of wisdom or words of foolishness. But make no mistake about it, 
uncomfortable words, uncomfortable truths are not necessarily unkind in nature. Notice what he says here. The words of the wise, Ecclesiastes 12 verse 11. The words of the wise are like goads and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. Sometimes we need some uncomfortable truths and encouragements in our lives. For it yields godliness and safety and security and it grows us in Christlikeness. Do you welcome uncomfortable words in your life? Do you welcome that friend who's being a real friend and is going to share with you some real truth? Some of you have built such habits into your life where you only surround yourself with family members and friends who affirm what you're already thinking. What we often need in this life are people who will love us enough to share with us hard truths, uncomfortable truths that will goad us along, prick us along, annoy us along towards godliness. In order to keep the end in view, we need to monitor our words. We need to choose wise words and receive wise words ourselves, keeping the end always in view. And then fourthly and finally, how do we keep the end in view? We pair faith with works. Faith with works. Notice verses 13 and 14 of Ecclesiastes chapter 12. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Why? For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. If we're going to keep the end in view, if we're going to live this short life, enjoying the moments that make us smile, we got to keep the end in view. Again, how do we do that? We pair present joy with future judgment. More than that, we pair age with beauty, remembering our God, remembering the eternity that is before us. We pair words with wisdom, choosing wise words over foolish words, giving wise words to others and receiving wise words in return. But fourthly and finally, we pair faith with works, a mega theme in the book of James. Book of James in the New Testament. Notice, what is the end of the matter? What is the bottom line of this thing we call the game of life? It's fearing God. The end of the matter, all has been heard, fear God. We've talked about the fear of God in lesson number one or message number one in this mini-series. The fear of God is that reverential awe, that trembling trust, that holy respect for the beauty and power of our great God. And the fear of God is intimately linked to faith in God. Do you know God, your creator, in a personal way by grace through faith in Jesus? We must fear God by having faith in God. We must also keep his commandments. Indeed, fearing God and keeping his commandments is the whole duty of man that is the sum total of what is required of us in this thing called the game of life. Keeping his commandments is obeying God. And obeying God requires following God. Do you follow your God even when it's tough? Do you follow your God even when it's tough? This is the end of Family Camp 5. This is the end. We have 
a little bit more this evening, then a little bit more tomorrow morning, and then we are back to the real of our lives. And by the way, let me be prophetic in this moment, Monday is coming. Monday is coming. And for some of you, it's going to smack you right in the face, and it's going to smack you hard. And everything that you have learned this week, all the messages from God's word, when Monday rolls around, when the reel of your life rolls around, when the Monday through Saturday of your regular rhythm is upon you, that's go time. That's green light go. That's when all of these messages about fearing God and trusting God and guarding your heart and avoiding sexual sin and keeping the end in view. Oh, it's preachy, preachy, churchy, churchy, campy, campy until we get to our real lives. Are you going to put these things into motion? Will you fear God by exercising faith in God? Will you obey God by following God even when it's hard, even when it's scary? I remember the scariest jump I ever did in the army. Most of the jumps that we did, we would go out of a side door. But the scariest jump that I ever did, we didn't go out a small little side door. The back end of the plane opened up. I mean, it was a huge opening. And instead of being in line and going out like this, you know, we were all in a line and here's this huge opening and it's terrifying just hearing the wind swishing and seeing just all of that open space. I mean, the whole back of this plane had opened up. And even the command was different in that moment. The command was different. The command to jump out of the back end of this plane was the guy at the front simply looking back and saying, follow me, follow me. Kind of cool, also kind of terrifying. And you followed the guy and you jumped out. It was a cool jump, one of the coolest jumps I've ever done, but also one of the scariest jumps I've ever done. Follow me, that man said. What was required in that moment to follow him and jump out of the plane? Trust in him, trust in my equipment, trust in my training, trust in a whole bunch of things. <laughs> of course, my prayer life also was radically revolutionized in that moment. <laughs> Dear Jesus, help me. I am so sorry for everything. Please help me. <laughs> Sometimes obeying God, which is following God, it's hard, it's scary. But when he turns around, I don't mean to be all cliche and cheesy when I say this, but when God on Monday, this Monday, turns around and says, follow me, will you follow him? Will you jump out the back end of the airplane and go in for a wild ride? Or will you hunker down and refuse to get out of the plane? We must, if we're going to keep the end in view, pair faith in God with works. With action is a better word. Faith with action. For faith without works or faith without action is dead. Pastor James in the book of James would say. So how do we live with the end firmly in view, firmly in mind? We pair joy with judgment, age with beauty, Words with wisdom and faith with works. Let me end by saying this. The game of life under the sun is best lived with the sun. And I like what Douglas O'Donnell, a commentator, once wrote and said. 
When Jesus died on the cross, the notice above his head read, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. These words were written in mockery. As Jesus died, the world laughed. Yet we know that that poor man from Nazareth saved the world through the wisdom of the cross. Even the Lord of flies could not spoil the work of this anointed king. Christ crucified is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Jesus is the divine solution. He is the righteous king who conquered all unrighteousness by the folly of the cross. And to those who bow the knee before him in silent adoration, he is our wisdom from God, our righteousness from God, our sanctification and redemption. Why end with this little quote on Jesus? Because I need you to understand something as we close out Family Camp 5 in terms of messages. That in order to fear God, trust God, guard your heart, avoid sexual sin, and live with the end in mind, in order to do all that, it's not legalism I'm advocating. It's not think faster, try harder, do more. No, your ability to live out these truths comes from Christ alone. It comes from Christ in you, who is your hope and your glory. I was speaking with another new friend and fellow pastor here at Family Camp 5. Dustin Battles is his name. I hope I got that name correct. But we were talking after lunch, such an encouraging conversation. And he mentioned something that he often says to himself and then was gently rebuked by another pastor. His mantra would go something like this, let's stay faithful, humble, and holy. Like that's my mission. That's who I want to be as a man, as a pastor. And a friend of his, a pastor friend of his, I believe, also added, and don't forget hopeful. Stay faithful, humble, holy, and hopeful. Stay faithful to your God and to his word. Stay humble before your great God and before others. Stay holy in your pursuit of holiness, your pursuit of Christ-likeness, but stay hopeful, keeping your eyes on Jesus. Please don't get the wrong idea as we end this message series. It's not try harder and do more that's going to make you a better Christian. It's being hopeful in the God who is in you. It's having your eyes fixated on Jesus who is the author and finisher of your faith. He is the one who will get you from point A to point C in this game of life. So as we leave from here, as we end Family Camp 5, let me just simply say this. Let's stay faithful, humble, holy, and hopeful as we leave from here and enter the Monday through Saturday of our real lives. Can we do that, Family Camp 5? That's the mission. I trust you'll receive it well. Let's pray at this time. Father in heaven, how grateful and thankful we are for this time that we got to spend in your holy word. And God, I just pray for all of us as we receive different messages this week on fear, on trust, on guarding our hearts, how to avoid sin, how to live with the end in mind, how to navigate the storms of life by focusing on Jesus and the word, the process of sanctification, the church, your 
grade A program in this life? God, as we have heard so many messages from your word and been encouraged in a variety of ways, oh God, help us to put these messages into practice in our real lives as we focus intently upon Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. We cannot live the game of life. We cannot do this thing called the Christian life in our own strength, in our own power. And even if we tried, we would fail because we are weak, yet you are strong. So do a great work in and through us as we leave from here and go back to our real lives. Glorify yourself in and through us, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen.